Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Wow! Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com.
Hello everyone and welcome to Straight White Whale. It's very good to be back in the studio. This is episode 81 and in the studio this week we've got a new guest, Susie McCabe, one of my good chums. Thank you very much, Susie. We are good chums. Yes, we are. You're like a sister. Uh, mate, I, honestly, you're like the wee brother I don't need or want. <laughs> you and MacArthur Boyd, man, the two of you. So I'm like, Jesus, these two. Nah, totally. I, me and bits. MacArthur Boyd were like uh, a horrifying before and after picture. <laughs> 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 hi, man, hi. But no, it's great. It's good. It's good to just come and chill with you, doing your thing. It's good to... Thank you very much for coming in, pal. Uh, before we start, I just, as always, we give a shout out to ch some charities back on site. Yes. Are you aware of them? Yes. Mental health charity in Scotland that I actually did therapy with for seven months. Sorry. Look at me, you. Picture of health. It's a hat, mate. The hat says hat. What hat? <laughs> Back on side are a fantastic charity. If he's listened to the podcast, I give them a shout out or the Samaritans a shout out every week. Libby runs back on sides. There's they've got a list of numbers on the website if you're struggling from the Samaritans to breathing space. If you think you've got a problem with alcohol, like myself, I'm sober. There's numbers to like Alcoholics Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous, all that stuff there. I did therapy with them for seven months. I would say it saved my life. Good people doing good things, Susie. Mate, it's really important, especially in the current climate and the current world that we're living in. It's mental health's really important. And, you know, you're kind of seeing more crimes and more stuff like that and, and the frustration that people are feeling just because of the way of the world and the way the country is just now. So I 100% back those charities. Awesome. I've Thank also had, like, you know, I've done a solo show about mental health and how we treat mental health in this country and it's we don't all you know sometimes it's just straight to a prescription you know sometimes it's kind yeah. of more than that you know sometimes you need your friends you need your family you need to go for walks you need to do different stuff sometimes you do just need medication but if you can go and talk to somebody as well as maybe look at other options it's just really important absolutely i don't think a lot of people like we are surrounded with that stuff paul's a therapist as well I dealing with you every week, can you? Would be mad, wouldn't you? What? <laughs> <laughs> Who's Paul? It's just me and you in the room. What are you talking about? No, no, totally, totally. We're surrounded by that stuff, and and I think, like, we, obviously we're comedians, right? So we're we we tend to kind of go to the dark a bit and kind of laugh about stuff, but it's certainly never about anybody that is struggling. And yeah, and it is. A, I mean, I remember like. My, my nana dying and I was like 36 years old I had my nana my whole life but jeez yeah. man that that grief that pain of grief put me back into a place that wasn't that wasn't great mm -hmm. you know and sometimes I always believe that uh, your mental health is something that peaks and troughs I think for most people and it's just how you deal with it and how you are in you know, there's nothing to say, like you're saying, I went through therapy for seven months with them, blah, 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 you're sober and all that. But there's nothing to say in five years' time that an event doesn't happen that just puts you into a kind of depressive cycle. Yeah. And I think the more you acknowledge that your mental health is cyclical or it can be triggered and put you very quickly and very easily into a real downward spiral, I think we start to accept that, that... Just because you've got through something to get you to a point, 
it doesn't mean to say that you're going to stay at that point for the rest of your the rest of your life. It, it changes as you change and as your life changes. So I think I always found that recognizing that I my mental health's having a bit of a kicking just now. Yeah. It's not permanent. It's temporary. That sometimes the clouds take a lot longer to pass than other times. And know that the clouds can come again and probably will come again. But it's something that you, as a person, maybe have to battle or maybe someone you love maybe has to battle. And that's, I think it's important for people to kind of recognise that, that it's not a, oh, here, my mental health, I'm a bit down, I'm a bit depressed, I'm a bit anxious, and then go, well, that's me fixed. Yeah. Because I don't, I don't know if there's a permanent solution because it really depends on your trigger, but you can certainly get therapy and get help to give you the coping mechanisms so that when you do know it's coming, you can not fight against it, but you can work with it because you understand it a little bit better. Yeah. And I think if we all just show that wee bit more compassion towards the mental health situation in this country, I think we'd all be better off for it. Well said. I love that. <laughs> well said. That was, that's exactly what I was going to say. I think the difference between some of the stuff that people do naturally and going to therapy and dealing with professional is they'll give you tools. Yeah. And you can put them into, you can click them into place when you need them. Aye. It's like putting an adapter socket going, I need a couple of more plugs here. Mm -hmm. you know, I'm going to stick a wee adapter on there. I don't need to full rewire my house. I just need a couple of more points and a couple of more reference things. And sometimes it's just breathing out, you know. Sometimes it's just taking a minute because life is hectic. Sometimes yeah. it's just taking a minute and going and taking your socks and shoes off and walking on the beach or walking through a bit of grass. Or, or, you know, sitting amongst, I know this sounds pure hippie, but sitting just looking at nature for half an hour, 45 minutes, get out, get a walk, get the endorphins going. The first 15 minutes might be a struggle, but the benefits you'll feel 30 minutes later when you're back in the house having a cup of tea are amazing. Just see, see sometimes I walk in the rain. Especially summertime, you know, when that rain's like, yeah. you can kind of smell the rain. I love that. Aye, it's amazing, you know, and sometimes it's just, it's just that, it's take a minute, it's lay off the bevy, you know. Oh, I Don't think. have beer in the fridge when you're feeling like that. Don't have the glass of wine because it's not going to make you feel any better. Go and have a 30 minute walk, go and stick on a, on a podcast in your ears and don't even listen to it, just have the noise or sit on a bench and listen to the birds and the rain and whatever else. I'm not saying that it'll solve all your problems. It won't, but it, it'll pick up your mood. Yeah. You know, absolutely. and then when your mood's picked up, you have clarity. And when you have clarity, you've got perspective. And when you've got perspective, you realise that on that particular day, the clouds are maybe a bit less grey. Yeah, you know? absolutely. You're a big music fan, aren't you? I love my music. Did you catch poor Lewis Capaldi at Glastonbury? I genuinely was just about greeting watching it. Do you know the thing? We look, I, I really like Lewis Capaldi's music. I really love his voice. There is no way, like, it's just, it's a bit like Adele. It's just a ridiculous voice. And you're just like, wow, that's amazing. Uh, and I watched it. And do you know, all I could think of was, I know this is a really hard thing for you and I, whatever he's going through and with the Tourette's and everything, because that jettison to that level of fame is insane. Yeah. Right? Aye. But to have, he's dealt with it, he's dealing with it, 
he's acknowledged that see the difference that that will make to millions of people will be unbelievable mm -hmm. it will the the positive effect of him going through a very difficult thing and it being acknowledged and then when that audience sang, sang back to him that that is like one of the best things about this country and right Aye. now there's no an awful lot but that was just like it's all right mate we've got you yeah we've got you and that whole a whole just thousands of people watching somebody that they love just picking them up and going it's all right take your time that was a beautiful moment it was amazing it, it was the best of humanity yeah and we're not seeing an awful lot of that the past few years i mean i can't forgive them for wearing white socks and black shoes though i know Seriously, but, come on boys get a lot going on boys get a lot going on <laughs> it, it must leave be. them be leave them be <laughs> leave the boy be. take some amount of courage to step away for a multi-million pound career and yeah. go i need a break because yeah. he's got all these shows lined up he'll have pressure for the label the management everybody i mean watching that mean darn spoke in a previous podcast about the documentary you can even see the pressure coming for his dad yeah. where his dad's like come on lewis you know try to try to do the best by try him to just beat he's just your dad and it's just he's just don't... a pure typical dad what is he? it you're moaning it look at your house uh -huh. you know what i mean and it, it does they really equate uh -huh. to that you but know see, you take that step away and go do you know what i maybe need six months to a year takes some amount of balls to do that by the way man. i 100 and to do it so have to do it so publicly you know it's not just sitting in sony's offices and going guys i'm struggling a bit it, it's you've got to have that and you know that's where your management kick in on a much smaller scale very much so let's emphasize this i haven't taken my foot off the gas since like last august so it was like fringe right all the way through a tour kings or that uh, another tour and my agent actually said to me i've identified a week in your calendar and i'm telling you book a holiday he said this to me in march he went book a holiday when you've had a really good six months take your partner away sit in the sun for a week and go because you're going to come back I've got a couple of kind of weekends. I've got my hen weekend this weekend. So this could be the last thing I ever do. I mean, I could be dead by the end of that. <laughs> 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 then next weekend, I'm going to see Pulpit Transmat. And then the following weekend, I've got my home hen night. So I've got a couple of kind of weekends. I've got some a few gigs interspersed and then the ramp up of the previews and then the fringe will come through. And he was like, I just want you fighting fit. I just want you fighting fit for that. And I feel that you're going to burn out. Now that is, a, that's an agent and a manager going, right, let's consolidate everything that you've done and go away, enjoy the reward of your hard work, come back, you'll feel refreshed, you'll feel better for it. And he was right. A whole a week of just sitting in the sun, having a laugh, came back, feel a million times better, sleeping better, eating better. Yeah. I, I went on holiday and lost weight because obviously I was eating really fresh salads and stuff like that. Do you know what I mean? So, Susie, I must so say, important. you look fucking brilliant, by the way. Thanks, buddy. You know my type, but thanks, buddy. <laughs> You've not even got a system. Well, I know. I've been really trying. I've been going to the gym and that and really kind of pushed it since last kind of December. And I've been so busy with work that I just felt that it was really important to be healthy. Yeah. Uh, not really... I mean, I was never really a big drinker, but not really touched the booze either, you know, really kind of kept myself away from that because I I tend to kind of peak and trough with booze where I'm like, 
you know, like this weekend, that obviously had a couple of drinks on holiday, he was never drunk. This weekend, come and have a couple of drinks. Next weekend, next Friday night, I'll have a couple of drinks. But then that's that's me. That's that'll be me right through to when I get married. Do you know what I mean? I'll, I'll be dry. I can go dry for months and months and months and months. It doesn't bother me. I'm very fortunate like that. But I, you've got to you've got to take a step back. That's amazing with your agent, by the way. That's 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 a good agent. Yeah, a good, a good. I had something similar during lockdown when um, I've spoke about this on the podcast. I lost my hair fell out mm-hmm. and uh i was just like my girlfriend my ex-girlfriend she was taking us up to stop hall for heart scans because i was getting chest pains with stress but obviously i thought it was something else and then my agent phoned us and she's like scott squad's coming back there's a panto coming up and i was just like knee hair and my chest was fucked and I was just like, I can't do this, man. And it see, see to say no, mm. it took that took a lot for me to say no. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you've got to kind of learn that as well. And I've kind of learned that, and I've learned it through my agent. You know, he's very much like a lot of stuff will come in. They'll go, I don't think that's for you, or I don't think you need to be doing that. You know, there's certain things where there's other stuff that he'll go. <clears throat> There's he ho in this, but I know that you're going to really enjoy doing it. Do you know, there might be no money in it, but you'll really enjoy doing it and it's really good experience. And I'm like, yeah, cool. Do you know what I mean? Because, because you know, you've got you've got to have fun. Ah, right? exactly. And he's like, he, he's very much, he very much knows who I am as a person. And I think because, you know, I didn't get into this till I was 30. And I'm now like 43 so I think because, you know, I had a job and I had a job for a long time being a comedian as well. And I think that's quite important because you very much know who you are at this point in your life. Do you know what I mean? So you're not 20 having to be taken by the hand. You can have very open and honest discussions with people yeah. who represent you or who are dealing with people who are approaching them about you. And you can kind of talk things through and go, is there a benefit? Do I want to do it? Can I fit it in? Am I going to enjoy it? Because you need to enjoy it. Yeah. See, if you don't enjoy it, what are you doing? See, if I'm not enjoying it, I'd be as well just going back to a 95 Monday to Friday. Exactly. Exactly. I never realised you were 13 years. Yeah, yeah, 13 years in, aye, aye. Where, where was your first gig? So, i done Viv G's comedy course. Yes. It was a dare, you know this story, it was a dare, my pal Paul. We'd been to see a mate who'd been diagnosed with cancer stage four and all that and uh, so my first gig was at the admiral which is just shut down uh it was at the admiral and uh it was it was the kind of showcase yeah and it was made to be december 2010 and it, that was the year of the, the white out christmas remember the 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 snow like uh, remember everybody was yep. leaving their work and stuck in motors for like a day and a half and all that and uh, it went ahead in the January, three days before my 31st birthday. It actually happened on Paul McDaniel's birthday. And we, Paul, who you and I know as a comic, uh, was in the same class. I didn't know me. that. And it was on his 30th birthday. It went on the 18th of January. So, hi, hi, hi. Brilliant. He's uh, also a very funny comedian. Very funny comedian. Very good guy. I had him... Uh, and Christopher MacArthur Boyd supporting me in tour. Yeah. Christopher was doing a lot of stuff with Frankie. So uh, we we Paul in because there were certain tour dates where we had to kind of be together for three four days just with the way the travel was, 
And um, I just such a lovely human being, such a, a both of them actually, same with Christopher, both of them just beautiful human beings and very funny comics. Yes. The Scottish comedy circuit is like nutrient dense with talent in it now. It's very, very, would you say, I mean, especially for me, I, I look back to when I started to now. It's completely changed. Aye. There's so many amazing stand-up comedians out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel yeah. like Liam Whiffnail. Yes. You know? Yes. Mark Jennings. Yes. You're smashing it. Then you've got the old school that just constantly smash it, just, like Raymond Mearns and all that. Just consistent. Just yeah. constantly consistent. Year on year. Consistent, consistent. And I think I think that's where you, you need to try and get to in this game. I think you just need to be consistent. Yeah. Year on year. Year after year. Grow consistency uh i i there's it's it's the new rock and roll like i was obviously trying out a lot of material and i try and I'm not really in glasgow a lot for gigs these days um i tend to be in london a lot or on tour or you know i do get the odd kind of we're on a glasgow date it's not big previews and whatever else and so there was a few times i was down in the uh in the stand green room at red raw <laughs> i was like <laughs> And just some of the chat, like the, because I kind of feel sometimes that, you know, you start off with your five and your 10, right? Yeah. Whereas now that that's been taken away, don't you like, I'm in it on TikTok, I'm mm. in it on Instagram. Like I was even sitting backstage at that gig in Red Row, you know, there's like 10, 12 people on and a host and I was just going in first. I just had a new 10. I just had to road test my 10 i was sitting and i'd been at like another gig because i was just hammered and jumping about all the all the kind of open spot gigs and there's some great open spot gigs like i was doing nice and sleazies and stuff like that and they were they were great and even like a uh, wee bar salsa it was great I, I really enjoyed going down and the guys would like i moan in and i will fit you on first or second and they were just really helpful and i really appreciated it and then I was sitting like backstage at Red Rod and there was this conversation. It was like, is this your first time at the stand? So it was like two people talking, is this your first time at the stand? Yeah, yeah. And they done that, you know, that accent, you know, that Glasgow, like that posh Glasgow accent. <laughs> and it was like, yeah, yeah, normally, um, I normally just do like student comedy. So I'm like that. I, I could feel my own eyes rolling out my head, right? <laughs> I was like, what, even a student got? And I was like, don't get into this. Don't get, just get your head doing into your 10 minutes and get up the road for your dinner. And the other person went, what, what's student comedy? And she said, just gigs in the West End. And I was like, ah, oh, this, right. There's no such thing as student comedy. There's not like an alternative. It's not, it's not the 80s, yeah. right, where you're sitting going, oh, this is really alternate you know, really questioning the man. Just because you do a couple of gigs off a buyer's road, doesn't make it student comedy, right? It's because students aren't the way they were when I was growing up. Because students, when I was growing up, left house, went to uni, stayed in halls of residence, you know, walked about in a pair of Converse and a Parker jacket, and they were demonstrating all the time, demonstrating for pensioners, demonstrating against the poll tax, demonstrating for student grants. Now, a lot of students stay at home, they've got a MacBook, £150 pair of trainers, a gym membership, and they don't go in protest when they probably should because it's their life that's been taken away from them, you know, so that kind of debate and movement thing has maybe left the kind of student 
thing because everything's a bit more comfortable. So it's not as if you're standing in a pub going, yeah, let's let's really give it to the man. You're, yeah. You're, 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 you know, you're talking about how you bought hummus and Waitrose. <laughs> Know what I mean? Aye. <laughs> just go out and tell jokes. Know what I mean? Just go out and tell. Don't 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 make your student comedy. Just tell jokes, and the students will laugh. Yeah, I've noticed a change in the stand-up circuit with open spots and red draw and stuff. Like I've had a few people that have only done twenty gigs, and they'll corner you, and they'll be like, oh, "I'm not getting paid yet," and all that. And you're just like, "Unbelievable!" Mate, I don't think I get paid. See, when I started doing stand, uh, the stand, mm -hmm. I think I did combined like a hundred red draws and Sundays before I got a weekend. So I like, I, I didn't get into the stand initially, you know, for the first kind of 18 months to two years, I never really got into the stand. And I was uh, with Janie Godley one night in my car going to Edinburgh and I was going to watch a gig that she was on it uh, with Joe Caulfield. Yeah. And I wanted to go and watch it and I seen Janie was on it and I said, do you want a lift? I'm going to come watch this gig. And she was like, aye. That lift that I gave Janie to and from there probably was as important as like my first couple of gigs because what I learned in that car journey has has gave me really good grounding. And Janie had already seen me doing a gig just across the road. It used to be the Hug and Pint. I don't know if it still is. Uh, just oh, across aye, the road, aye, aye. right? And Tom had said to her, our mutual friend, Tom Yuri, who I've known since I was like 18, right? Tom had said, come down and see my pal. <coughs> and uh, she she really liked me at that gig. So we're in the morning. She went, how are you getting on with Red Rose in the stand? I went, oh, can I get a gig after? She went, can you know? And I went, no. Sent emails, nothing back. And she went, hold on. She just pulled out her phone and emailed Tommy Shepard and Eva. I went, here, I never recommend anybody. I'm recommending this lassie. Get a spot, go and see her. So they gave me a spot. Emailed me, gave me a spot. Tommy came down, Edinburgh stand, Tommy came down to see it. Next day, I got a phone call for Eva, and I got offered, like, at that time, they still had Wicked Wenches, which was kind of ladies, kind of women-only bill to try and give women a platform to kind of build up, because the stand have always been very pro-women and getting, and they were they were way ahead of the curve with that before anybody else at getting women on bills. Uh, so I get... Wicked Wenches, I get Sundays, I get my first weekend, which was the, um, what, what Jubilee did we have recently, the Platinum? Yep. So it was the one before that, whatever that is, right? And it was that weekend, and it was, so it was like a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, <clears throat> Sunday, Monday, because mm. everybody was off. And they got my first weekend and, and everything like that, and they just, and you know, from then they really looked after me, but... I mean, I was 18 months in, I was I was paid 20s, but like I remember just going and driving people to Aberdeen just because I was getting 10 minutes and they were headliners. But, yeah. but you learned and you asked, you asked questions and they would give you pointers and you would look like, I remember going, oh, I'm in a car with Gus Limburn and Stu Who or Gary Littles just messaged me, he, he gave me a gig, he's not going to be there, but he'll get a report back kind of thing, do you know? And I was like, right. And you, you had to go out and you had to smash it. Like, yeah. there, there was... Like, if you went out there and had a bad gig, you weren't getting another gig. You had yeah. to go out there and you had to... There was no... They weren't putting you on that bill for 
you have a learned experience, <laughs> right? <laughs> they were putting you in that bill to do your job. And then the next time, they'll put you on another bill to do your job and so on and so forth. And that's it. Go and do your job. And then they start to move you up the bill and, you know, your other comedians start to give you gigs. But aye, I mean, it's like, I mean, Des McLean has told me some, uh, some stuff, you know, just it's that whole... Is this a paid spot? People that he's never seen going on in a Saturday night, sold out room, 100 people, and he runs these really lovely gigs, the Corby Inn, the Crow. Uh, the Corby Inn is, like, amazing. The Crow, the uh, East Cobride Sports Club, like, one of the one of the best rooms out with the circuit you can get. Shouldn't they work? Works a treat. He's never seen them. He's given them an opportunity to go... And have a real, it's not even what you would say, a bear pit. You know, an experience of real comedy. Because comedy club, comedy's amazing. But it's set up for you to have a good gig. You know, these gigs are in difficult, no difficult rooms. But the rooms are not naturally set out. And Des kind of has managed to adjust the rooms and get them perfect for you to have a good gig. But it's still no comedy club rules. It's still kind of fight club. Yeah, and he's never seen these people, and he's gave them five minutes because somebody's maybe recommended, and they went, "Are you paying me?" And he's like, I "I've never seen you." Aye, you've not even done ten gigs yet, and they're like, "This is exploitation." There's this like, "What?" Do you know? And he and he'll say to them, "I remember getting on the bus to go to Manchester today, ten minutes to come back up the road." Yeah, and all you have to do are are the the classic the classic. Uh, which I have I've seen in group chats that I've been part of when I've obviously been doing a gig somewhere is where is the gig? So let's say the gig's Greenock and it's like how do I get there? I don't know, you've I don't know, you've got two legs. <laughs> Are you an adult? Like? I, I, I like how like how do how do I get there? Yeah. And you're like, well, find your way to the gig. And then maybe the headliner might drop you back off or at least take you to the train station, depending where they're going. How do I get there? So not only do you have to give the gig, you have to pay them for the gig. You and now have to get them take them there. Why don't you just go out and tell their jokes? Yeah. Do, do, do you know <laughs> what I mean? And you're like, I mean, see if you were working in a building site and you turned around and somebody said to you, right, see your site next week, eh? You're not going to be working in Livingston. Uh, you're going to Kirk and Tillich. Uh, give your tools to your journeyman. He'll take your tools to the site. Put the tools in the van. He'll take your tools for you so you don't need to take your tools. Then it's like, what's the address of the site? Because you then go and work out what bus or train uh -huh. and what time you're, you're getting get to be at that building site yeah. for half past seven. Yeah, that's a change. I've noticed I do the funny bunch as well. I pay... I pay everybody, even open spots get travel expenses. And somebody asked me about a fee uh, before I had a chance to say, I'll give you something to cover costs. And I was just like, the cheek of this cunt, man. <laughs> like, I can't believe it. Like, aye. go up to fucking Aberdeen on a Tuesday or. Aye, aye, like, aye, aye. Snafu. Remember aye. that gig, Snafu? Um, I, yeah. I remember my first paid gig was a £10 check. Off uh, the Glasgow Comedy Festival. My first paid gig was actually my second gig, but it was Viv, and Viv had had a night in, Viv G, who took the class, great comic, and like one of the most beautiful human beings in history. And she'd said, why don't you come and I'll give you your second gig? It's in the Griffin. Amazing. And uh, Big Graham Mackey was on. 
he done the old two-stroke, the two-stroke generator joke. Oh, love it. <laughs> and uh, Big Graham was on and she took me aside and she, I think she gave me like 10 or 20 quid, something like that. And I was pure chuffed, you know, because yeah. you'd just been paid for a guy. Like, you'd just been paid for making people laugh. Amazing. So, aye, but I mean, you don't, you don't, you just don't, you know, just be grateful that you get to play a lovely room. Yeah. You know, really nice rooms with really nice audiences, you know, mm. and you're like, I just think, if I knew, right, I'm going to use Des as the example here, right, that somebody had three or four gigs dotted about the central belt who has been in comedy a long time, won awards, does plays, done pantos, the lot, was offering me a spot at, say, three gigs. I'd make sure I'd go out and smash the three gigs so in six months' time. And he says, do you want another wee run of gigs? You know you're getting paid. Yes. Because he'll say, I put you on and then I progress you through. I'm not looking to just keep putting you on gigs for two years and no pay you. I'm looking to go, there's a gig, there's a gig, there's a gig, smash, smash, smash. Right, you can be put back in. Yeah. You know? And you go, that's that's how it works. It's about progression. But no, 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 no. Take me the gig and write my material. <laughs> deliver my material. Take me home, tuck me in, gonna run me a bath. Well, that's kind of what this podcast is like, because Paul washes my arse and stuff. <laughs> I've not forgot about that comment at the start, by the way, when you said he was fucked because he's looking after me. There's a douche in there on that door behind you, man. A douche in a bidet. This is it's been a very peaceful podcast, but I want to kind of bring something up because before the podcast started, you were actually talking about child uh China's one child policy. And Always. you were saying how you supported that. Yes. I just thought oh, well, I'm trying to save the environment. If they want to keep pumping smoke out chimneys, just one child's fine. There you go. There you go. There you go. They try to be a window there, Carl. Man, absolutely hammered you back with the hammered you back with their environmental issues. Anything else you want to talk about? Why don't we talk about the uh, Cambodia election? You were quite into that. That's about to take place shortly. Well, we'll get to that. We'll get to that after. As for the Patreon. After how you said you've actually got inside information on who actually killed Joe Dando. So there we go. <laughs> it was a guy with shorts, black trainers, and I top that one, man. <laughs> Here, he get one million pound compo. I would go to jail for 14 years for that. Was that the... Barry George? Yeah. Uh, who was the boyfriend? No, he no, was a man random. Oh, he was a right, stalker. Okay. He, he was a stalker, wasn't he, Barry George? Yeah. There's a thing, there was a thing about, because it was round about the time of the former Yugoslavia Civil War. And at that time, the forces, the Allied forces, I suppose, if you like, it blew up a, a TV broadcasting house, if you like. And there was a, this wasn't that long ago, a few years ago, about, it was a rumour about how it was like, because it was so blatantly a hit. Like, it was proper out of Goodfellas, like, on yeah. the doorstep, bang. Jill Dando. Jill Dando, aye. aye. And then there was a thing going that there was a bit of a, a hitman was sent to take out a well-kent 
TV personality, blah, blah, blah. And you're like, because that was done and it was maybe like a Serbian hitman or whoever it was or who knows. But I, it was a pretty, uh, pretty grim time. It wasn't Barry George anyway. No, he was he no, was the he fall was guy. Stitched up a belter, wasn't he? He was. Uh, me that boy Colin Stag. Do you remember that? No. The the mum and kid were in a park. I want to say Hampstead Heath, but I could be totally wrong about that. And there was a kind of guy looked a bit kind of odd, but quite distinctive looking and quite a quiet, quite a shy guy. Maybe. A bit, we would maybe now class as being a bit on the spectrum or whatever, but then it was just, they're just odd, right? Because you know how no compassion. And the guy got put in prison for like 14, 15 years and he had absolutely nothing to do with it. And you're just like, it's almost like let's just try and fit the person to fit the crime. Do, was, do you know what I mean? Was uh-huh. there a show made about that? I think I watched yeah, that, actually. Yeah, yeah, there was, yeah, yeah. The guy's name was Colin Stagg. So also, I think, today came out about how the... So, you know, the Spy Cops, that was that organisation within the Met who... Marrying women and all sorts during the minor strikes and the IRA women and all that. And oh, then... yeah, and there was also the environmentalists as well, but the Spy ones was the the organisation that were in charge of royal security that where one of them was affected with the he committed the Sarah Everard murder. Alright, okay. So, you know, recently the... The, the bald guy, the big bald guy. Yeah, so and then there was another one came out who had apparently harassed and raped a whole load of women. He was in this special spy cops organisation who were you know, securing the secretaries of state and securing members of the royal family and keeping them safe and then it turns out that this organization this got announced today was basically corrupt misogynistic everything that you can imagine everything that you would not want your police or, or a part of your police organization to be it was and basically they were just like Almost like, hey, we're like the flying squad of the police, you know, we're like the SES of the police, we keep the royals safe, and you're like, you know, you're not really keeping women in the street safe, are you? <laughs> um, and that was a whole a whole thing. But also I think that's quite an interesting thing as well, the whole Met Police, everything that's happened with the Met Police over the past few years. And I sometimes wonder, and I've got, I've got five or six really good mates that are, that are in the police, some quite high up. And I can honestly say they're good coppers and they talk to me about their work and a lot of it's very mental health based and stuff just now. But I sometimes wonder if we recruit for our police forces in this country the wrong way. If we then appeal to the wrong person. Because you'll meet a lot of coppers and you go, do you know what? They were great. They were really good. They They were there, you know, they were dealing with a an old lady who's been burgled and they calmed her down and they've made sure she, you know, they've really looked after her or they're dealing with somebody that's about to jump off a bridge and they've, they've shown compassion and care. But there is a certain element of a certain type of person who can be drawn into that way of life who maybe just shouldn't be, but maybe the way we recruit that person as opposed to serving the community and being a kind of safety person, it's more about, well, you are the law. 
I am the law. Mm. And I'm going to tell you how it is. And I wonder if there's something there that maybe that kind of, you know, that kind of Dixon of Dope Green Bobby that your old man or your nana and that would talk about that kind of, all right, governor. Oh, come on, you cheeky scamps. Yeah. Of people who was kind of trusted within the community. Uh-huh. Well, that was deliberately done. Um, when Thatcher came in, yep. she gave up, them a 25 salaries. 25% salary because she knew that she was going to have to make it a career. Them. And, and I was looking for people that no longer wanted to serve the public, but looking for people that were looking for a career and for money. But they deliberately did a thing. I think at that time as well, where they stipulated that for new police officers, they couldn't serve in the community that they lived. Yeah. And so it was to make like strangers coming in from outside because it used to be the community police officer and everybody knew their name. You, and oh, it's John. Slap that's, your Wayne run the, the I, year and bring I, your Wayne home and stuff. And then it turned into. I'll aye. tell your da. If I catch you doing that one <laughs> more time, I'll tell your da. Kind of thing. Uh-huh. All right, okay. Do you know what I mean? And then, then that, yeah, yeah, that, that thing. And then I think how we, when you look at, and I, by the way, I am not saying all police officers by any stretch of the imagination, not at all. I think whenever I've ever had dealings with the police, they have always been understanding and approachable and good people. And they're trying to explain things to you and you're trying to explain things to them. And they tend to try and find a way out to, you know, and, and or, or calm you down or whatever it may be that you require for that service, which is really important. Like, I like to think if something happened to, you know, God forbid, but if, you know, my mum's house got robbed, that the two coppers in this scene would be like, let me make you a cup of tea. Do you know what I mean? Let me just calm you down and make sure you're all right, because yeah. that's their job. But I do wonder if there's an element of within kind of British society of that thing where the local copper is no longer the local copper and then that gets people's backs up, doesn't it? Because it's like, you know, you don't know me. Do you know what I mean? You, uh-huh. you do, who, who are you talking to? You know, and you do also get that copper who just loves being a copper. Like, like, like you do get some parking attendants who just love being or bouncers at the doors of clubs or... Do you know what I mean? Yeah. There's just a certain type of person sometimes <clears throat> attracted to that type of thing. And and I wonder if whoever was doing a lot of the recruitment drives within the Met Police and within these kind of special organisations within the police were looking for a certain type of person that maybe should not have been given any form of power, mm-hmm. let alone taken in to be the elite of that organisation. Yeah, certainly seems so. Aye. Definitely been recruiting some people that shouldn't be anywhere near. Aye, aye, totally. <laughs> you know, any sort of position of power. Aye, just like, no, mate, you can't be dealing with the public. I mean, sit in a room. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Just, no. <laughs> you know? Or like, I look at some and I'm like, mate, I look like I could fucking outrun you. Oh, yeah, aye, yeah, I mean, that's bad. That but I think that. there's like a lack of accountability. I'll no name names, but there's a guy that, there's a guy that, oh, can I, 43, I'll have a think about this. There's a guy who's a studio, as a police officer. He's got a podcast. Doesn't he talk about being a police officer? He said something. I think that's maybe just indicative of the organization. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. 
real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at uh1.com. He got a speeding ticket, and he was like, "But we don't pay our speeding tickets because we're police officers, so I just go in and get to my sergeant or whatever and." It goes away, and it's like so. There's no accountability. Like you, you're literally above the law in certain but, aspects. But if you let that creep in, yeah. So then, at that low level, what, at the high level, they're shocked that they're getting pulled up for crime. You know. But then, if that's you at low level, where are you getting that from? You're getting that from high level uh-huh. because at the very top of this country, certainly. And and do you know what? I'm going to cut Theresa May a bit of slack here, right? I'm not a fan never voted Tory in my life, right? But I'm going to take Theresa May out of this, right? But certainly since 2019 in the election of Boris Johnson, you have seen corruption and absolutely no accountability for anything. Matt Hancock, I'm just a man who fell in love. 200,000 people died, not because you fell in love, because you're incompetent, because you were wrong, because you were given out contracts, because you are corrupt to the core. And you're sitting there going, I'm just a man who fell in love. Well, a lot of people didn't get to say goodbye to love once. And you saying that you fell in love, you now seem to think that this is an excuse and that's all right. And then you've got, you know, a, a man, ex-Prime Minister, who just lied. Then you've got a man who's former president, who's going to be going in trial secret, the most classified documents of Western security, not even just national security for America, who just lied, who caused an insurrection on Washington. And then you go, well, if I was a polis, I mean, I can see why they're not paying their speeding ticket because Suella Braverman didn't want points in her licence. She's the Home Secretary. I'm the Home Secretary. Do I need to get points in my licence? So if that's what she thinks... Is it any wonder that that those police officers think I'm not paying it because we don't pay it? Aye, absolutely. My opinion on this is that this is this has been going on since forever. It's just now with the internet we get to find out and we're like, make them accountable, and now they're they're just like, nah, aye, nah, fuck yous. Like, I don't there's no accountability. Like, I don't need to be accountable to you. Uh-huh. I do not need to be accountable to you. But what's alarming is okay. You may not think that you have to be accountable to the public, right? But when you're in government and when you're in power, you have the institutions of the state and you have the civil service. And the civil services will clap you out the door at Downing Downing Street and literally five minutes later clap in the new guy, regardless of the the party, the gender, the colour. Nothing matters. They're just the civil service. And I'm not saying they're apolitical, they're not, but within their job, they're apolitical. And when the civil service, so I don't know if, did you see dispatches the other night? No. Did you see dispatches? I'm sitting with a pair of shorts on and a top hat. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So dispatches was about Boris Johnson and the Russians? 
Right. Is this the guy that he thing we done to the House of Lords? Like aye, the, aye. Son of an oligarch and But when you have the civil service going, do not give this person an honour. And then you have your security services. Now bear in mind, Theresa May made Boris Johnson foreign secretary, but with no power. Right, because she was like, What am I gonna do with him? I need him in the tent pissing out rather than being outside the tent pissing in. But I've got to keep an eye on him. So I'm going to put him as foreign secretary and the, the our, our national security services all were... He's very close to the Russians and she went, we'll give him no power, just keep an eye on him. And when Russia invaded Crimea, uh, he, as foreign secretary, went to a NATO summit and they were all like, right, can't be having this, can't be having invasion in Europe, Crimea is not part of Russia, right? So NATO... Bear in mind how much Russia hate NATO because it was an organisation set up to combat Russia and the Cold War. Uh, we can't be having this. No, 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 no. Right, that's it. Russia's just right. We need to. We need to. We need to deal with them. He then leaves that NATO conference and goes to Italy and stays in the holiday home of the Lebedevs. So the son of the Lebedevs owns, I think, is a Telegraph and the Standard. And it was the dad that bought it and gave it to his son. The dad's a former KGB spy. And our then foreign secretary, like the fourth great officer of state in this country, this guy goes and has a party with him in the Italian hills and turns round to his security, our government security, and said, stand down. That's mental, isn't that? It is. Horrendous. My entire life I've been told the Russians are bad and then the Russians were good guys because we ended the Cold War, Glasnost, Perestroika, all that, Gorbachev. And then, you know, from then it's just been a steady increase and now you see where we are in the world with Russia. And you're sitting, you're saying to yourself, the Foreign Secretary, the Foreign Secretary went to the holiday home of the Lebedevs and partied with him, Lebedev Senior, as a former KGB spy. And, and that's known that he is that, bearing in mind that Vladimir Putin formerly worked for the KGB in uh, East Berlin. And when the, you know, the, the story goes that when the Berlin Wall was falling down, Putin was on the phone to Berlin, gone with the idea, and they're like, was on the phone to Moscow from Berlin, sorry, gone with the idea, and they're like, <laughs> and Putin never really forgave Gorbachev and that for that happening for the fall of the USSR and now look where you are and meanwhile Boris is cutting about going this has to happen he has to get an honour so our civil service said no our security services said no Boris was determined that it was going to happen our security services as reported in this programme then went to the Queen and said can you intervene like this was like unheard of. This has never happened before. This is how concerned the civil service and the security services were about this. They went to the late Queen and went, can you stop this? Because get into the House of Lords is is your legislature. Uh -huh. it, it's your uh -huh. it's your second chamber. It's the it's the balance uh -huh. to the checks, you know, it's it's all of that. And the Queen kind of went, well no I can't because if I interfere with that, that's a whole other issue. Yeah which I kind of get from that perspective as well. So, yeah. So when you're seeing that at that level, 
Is it any wonder there's a copper going? I'm not going I'm to not pay, pay my speeding ticket. I'm not paying tickets. my speeding tickets. <laughs> but it's true. It is. It's do, so do, true. Do you know what I mean? That's just a, 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 that is a rot, you know, a, a fish rots from the head down. And that's exactly what's happened there. I feel really unprofessional for bringing up China's one child policy now. <laughs> like, this feels like fucking question time. Mm-hmm. Imagine me on question time. Aye, I know. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was saying. Uh, Elvis is alive. <laughs> he is alive. He is alive, mate. Paul, how are you? It's, you checking in with me? Yeah, you enjoying yourself? I'm absolutely. I'm having a buzz, mate. Feel free to ask questions if you want to get in. Okay. Um, well, let's talk about Twitter because well, you were talking about Twitter before we came on. And um, I know Twitter, man. What a laugh! So what went down? Like you were. Um... So I was on a, a program called Debate Night, and uh, it was I can't remember the person's name. It was the male to female trans women who, when they were a man, had committed rape. And was found guilty of that rape. So, this was the big story of the day when I was on, and there was a big lot of chat about it. And the Tory MSP sitting behind beside me, I can't remember her name, she was like, The fact of the matter is this, you know, gender recognition and this and that. There's now a male prisoner walking about a woman's prison. And I went, actually, no. That person is in a SEG unit in a women's prison, as was on the court order. And the SPS, the Scottish Prison Service, will make a decision on what prison that person goes to. And then I said, we need to remember when we are having the debate around gender recognition and trans, that someone who might be someone's son may now be their daughter, and someone's daughter may now be someone's son. And we need to, especially you people in high office or in parliament, need to lead by example and have a kinder discussion around some of the language you're using is wrong. Because that information that she was just saying was wrong. She didn't mention, she's not looked at the court order. Just like there's a man walking about a woman's prison, this is a danger to women, right? So... That then get clipped by somebody quite high up in the Alpa party. Um, and it made it look like I had defended a man who had raped a woman, which I clearly would never do, because rape is a heinous crime. It's, it's like fucking the worst thing. And it get clipped. So then the pylon started, right? Pile on, pile on, pile on. So, so they clipped it in a they way to make it in you a way to make look, it look like I yeah, had defended yeah. this rapist, right? Is this in like Alex Salmon's Alpha party? Yeah, right, yeah, okay. So, uh-huh. Right. So it's like the, the, the right wing of the SNP that have now right defected wing. to this like new party that are gonna do fuck all. Like, nothing. Right, absolutely uh-huh. not. No, even I don't even think they've been a, I don't think they've got one seat. No, I don't think uh, they do. Anywhere. <laughs> right. And uh, I was like, oh, they come off Twitter and let that die down. But it was constant. And then people with really high profiles, like Gillian McKeith, remember the doctor who used to look at your shit that's not a doctor? Smelled Michelle McManus's shite <laughs> in a Tupperware dish. That's the one. Um, <laughs> Is that true? <laughs> uh, yes. So these kind of... 
people then perpetuate more and more and more. And then what happened is all the power once started. And I started to get death threats, right? I'll turn up at a gig, get a death threat, blah, blah, blah. Death threats all that week. And then death threats started to go, or just threats towards my family. Now, both my parents are pensioners yeah. with health issues. And I've got some arsehole with hunters and numbers in his name and wee flags saying, I bet your mom wish you had died of cancer because you're her daughter. Like, just Oof, fucking hell. the absolute worst of humanity, absolute scum. Because ultimately, they don't like your gender or they don't like how you look, they don't like what you say. They don't like your football team. They don't like where you live. They, whatever they don't like, they're going to use that. And then other people with podcasts with massive following then retweeting that, they know the damage that that's doing. But they bang on about compassion and this and that and how we Hi. need to be this and understanding while absolutely showing none of it and not knowing about the effect that that's having on two pensioners that have had their health, like, consider, like, you know, like, considerable health issues. And I'm sitting going, who are you? Do you know what I mean? Sitting there giving it all that. And then that that was the bit that I, I was getting really irate at, irate at. But here was the most interesting thing. It was only in Twitter. Not one newspaper ran with it. So I got a, a contact to go and see a Scottish media lawyer, because obviously you're dealing with Scots law. Not British law or English law, right? And uh, there was a discussion had, and they were like, the papers cannot touch this because there's the clip, there's the TV. Can he touch it? And they know they can't touch it because they know if they say, you said this, you can actually sue them because this has been clipped in such a way, so it's just Twitter. So for about a week and a half, it was constant. And I just came off Twitter and a couple of friends of ours, mutual friends of ours was like, you're right, blah, blah, blah. I, they were kind of keeping an eye on it in case I had to, you know, just know something. Do you know what I mean? Just know if somebody was maybe putting names out on the internet, uh -huh. people that I love and people that I care about and stuff. They just kept an eye on it. Uh, agent or that kind of social media companies kept an eye on it. And then we just decided 1st of February, we sunk it. Because I was like, that, that, if that is how people are on that platform. And I had like 20,000 followers and it was, I actually really enjoyed Twitter and like I really enjoyed getting the instant news and stuff like mm -hmm. that off it. But when you're dealing with people, I mean, one guy called me a bigot. Sorry, you said you sunk it, so you deleted it. I sunk it, deleted it, gone yeah, okay. forever, never going back on it. So it was awful. Sorry for cutting in there, just just in case people never knew about that man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I, then a guy was like, "You're nothing but a bigot," and I went on to his, his, you know, like I went on to his page, and there was just this massive banner of some football game. It wasn't even like a British football game, like a like a whatever. And this massive banner at the front of this like football stand said "Kill all Fenians," and I was like, "Wow!" But I'm the bigot. Aye, but you're the bigot. Uh -huh. I'm, I'm the I'm <clears throat> just the, a total projection, isn't it? Like, it's it's just like it's really, and it's just really angry 
people who should know better. But, you know, I can't change them and they're never going to buy a ticket to see my show, right? So it's no great loss. My concern was keep the people I love safe and that's all that really matters. And, you know, if they're going to sit there and just bang away in their keyboards and send dick pics and fucking just be miserable and make other people's life miserable more power to their elbow because you're going to die that poison will eat you up man uh-huh that poison will destroy you do you know yeah dick I mean, pics dick pics what's <laughs> what a weird thing that is in the modern world and we've put man in the moon you know what i mean we've, <laughs> we've found cures for diseases do you know what i mean we have we have you know Marie Curie people like that we've been penicillin and television and railways and <laughs> humanities came down to a guy sending a picture of his cock and balls using all that amazing technology aye you know there's more, more technology in one of these than was in the Apollo aye, mission aye <laughs> do you know what I mean and they're like uh, do you know it's just it's a very odd thing but see, you go back to what you were talking about, like that's like you were saying earlier, like way earlier before we were on, you're like a victim of the culture war. This is a total misinformation campaign. Yeah. Like I had a guy come in here, he was a guest on a podcast and they were, they were just I, just, I sit here sometimes and I'm just like, should I just fucking just hit stop and be like, get the <laughs> fuck out of here. Um, they just sit and they talk shit about trans people and this and that. And the guy, they came off and, I was like, do you know what? Like, seemed like a, fa- a semi-intelligent human being. I was like, I'm going to ask him. I was like, why do you think this? Why do you think that? Like, he was, you, you can imagine what he was saying. <clears throat> and he was like, you know, my mate was telling us that his seven-year-old's getting taught how to have anal sex in primary school. And I was like, mate, and I had a mate that had come in to meet me to go for a pint. And the two of us were like, that's not happened. Like, that is just utter nonsense that you're talking. No, but my mate was saying, I was like, did you see it? Have you experienced it? So your mate has told you that this thing's happening, which isn't happening. I'm, I guarantee you, like, mate, see if that was happening, that primary school would be on fire, if like literally. Also, is it anal sex or sex? Because let's let's just establish this then. Is it sex in general you uh-huh. don't want your seven-year-old to know about or is it specifically anal sex? So let's it's like just veiled homophobia that. that's yeah. like sort of coming out in these weird things. But your wing can pick up your phone. Because you'll know of a parent guard on it and they'll go to play a game and they'll maybe clock on a bit of porn that you've watched that morning before you went for your shower. And that's all right because because it's porn, so that's fine because the guy's always in a position of power and all that kind of stuff, whatever your kink is. But that's all right. Uh-huh. You know, your child's going to have a phone within a few years of being seven where they can access anything they want in that internet well, that, and that... they can see anything but... Heaven forbid that they are educated about love, respect, and safety. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, like I think that my mate made that same point where he was saying, like, I wonder how much your mate takes today with their internet access and how much he he's concerned with what they're looking at online. But who's he talking to when he's playing Call of Duty, mate? hundred uh, percent. And tell I, me like, this. Tell see me what this. You were as saying well. before you, you you go into that. What you just said, they're so right. All of these. People are all watching hardcore pornography on a daily basis. Their heads are warped and now they're like, oh, we're trying to protect the children. And it's like, against like mythical creatures that don't exist. It's I so weird. I have never known so many men determined to protect women 
the same men that I have heard them discuss women. And it is to I don't know how they think that's protection because they're a danger. And, you know, I, I'm not saying that it's all men. Of course it's not, right? But if we had to go through every paedophile who's been convicted in this country, what would their life look like? Would they have been a homosexual? Nope. <laughs> would they be heterosexual? Possibly. Would they be in a position of authority? Would they be a priest or a teacher or a scout leader or a swimming instructor or a boys' brigade leader? Or like, like where, where, where does that stop? It's always somebody in a position of power, a football coach, a rugby coach, whatever it is, but they're in a position of power within a community. I don't know and I could be very wrong, right? But what are the crime figures on men who identify as heterosexual paedophile who then become a paedophile, women who identify as heterosexual then become a paedophile, and then homosexuals who are then paedophiles? So what, like, I would really be interested to know what the figures are because it always seems to me that men with those urges tend not to be trans. Now, Here's my whole argument about the trans debate. I'm not saying I am I am a member of the LGBTQ plus community. I am pro-trans rights, trans rights, human rights. That's my opinion. That's my view. If you don't like it, nay bother. You're entitled to your opinion. Get out. I was Get kidding out. on. I'm so <laughs> but, sorry. But tell me this, right? I love you. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'll leather you. <laughs> but 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 tell me this. That's who I am. And, and I'm fine with that. Trans have been part of my... There was a trans movement and the gay movement who started the Stonewall Riot. This mm -hmm. isn't a new thing. Right now, I'm not saying <coughs> that the gender recognition bill, self-ID and all that is perfect. I don't think it is. But see the anti-trans movement, they've not came up with a solution. See if you sat me down with somebody who is public profile anti-trans and they went listen this is protect this needs to come in to protect women because they see if they went i'm not saying all members of the trans community i am saying there are people within society who will manipulate these laws in my opinion for their own sexual deviancies which could be a threat to women children dogs whatever right whatever their opinion is Fine. Okay. So what's your solution? Uh -huh. They don't have a solution. They're not segregating the, the trans community from the from a minority of people who may try and manipulate a law for their own deviancies. But you know what? See when I was growing up as a wee lassie, see one of the wee that's one of the first things my brother told me. See if a man comes anywhere near you, this is where you hit him. One of the first things my dad told me, see if a man comes anyway, you scream, you scratch, and you kick him right between the legs. I was told that as a kid. Mm -hmm. If you ask any woman of my age, in fact, any woman, Aye. how were you told to keep yourself safe for a man? Kick him between the legs. What world do we live in that, I need, that, that you need to tell young women if a man comes near, if a grown man comes near you, you kick him between the legs. That's mad. Boys have never really had to be told that stuff. No. Right? But lassies get told that. And it's your big brother and your dad and whoever else will tell you that's what you do. 
But now we've got people sitting in podcasts going, just stay away from the veins. Keep the trans people away from the veins. I know. <laughs> it's weird. It's the, 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 like, Dan, I feel like you've been quiet during this. I mean, this chat. But it's this. Yeah, it's just cool. I think what I find weird about it is this, like, all of a sudden mad moral panic about it all. How guys that didn't get, like you're saying, that Linehan guy, go and ask his ex-wife what type of a feminist he is or go and ask an ex-girlfriend or like that guy's insane and people are siding like I'm, I'm see I think you you said that perfectly see anybody that wants to go look there's flaws to this and there will be people out there that could potentially take advantage of it so let's look at it under a microscope to look at how they could do that and how we can stop people from doing that but that's not what they're saying yeah. I mean we'll forget how Donald Trump you were talking about Trump earlier Donald Trump's come out now in the last six months and went, if I get re-elected at the next election, which isn't going to happen, thank fuck, I, I will wipe trans people off the face of the yeah. planet. And that is the type of rhetoric that people That's are horrendous. Oh, How by scary the way, is that? Oh, well, Who's I mean, next as well, you know? Like, so we start with abortion. Uh-huh. And then it just gets progressively worse. You know, and, and I, I said this about the Conservative Party, uh, as I seen the way the Conservative Party was going when they went from that centre-right of Camden... I could see it all happening, and you're sitting going, well, history tells you, you come for me next. Do you know? That's it. You come. For, not only do I work in the arts, because you hate the arts, but you come for the gays, you know? Yeah. And then, you know, that that's that's how it, that's how, that's what history tells us. And we've got that generation, that Second World War generation, are no longer with us. You know, the, the, those who fought and worked in the munition factories, they're gone. So it's like the slow march of... Popularism and fascism is very much on the rise within the continent of Europe. And that is terrifying because we know how that pans out. And you see it. I mean, just back from Turkey, I was talking to a Turkish guy about uh, Erdogan. You know, 20-year president had to have a recount. Oh, he wins. You know, that's him for another five years, right? You're going, ah, okay. Populist, you know, Bolsonaro in Brazil wasn't great. Trump, I mean, you look at Trump, then you look at, like, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., which breaks my heart, because I love Bobby Kennedy, yeah. the greatest American president America never had. Mm -hmm. Bro breaks my heart. Yeah. Mike Pence is, uh, the other day, just addressed Christian evangelists, because the Republican Party have to get them on board. Christian evangelists, who are the least Christian of any Christians, do you know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> so you can see that much, and all you can hope is Trump doesn't get it. Well, you just hope that it's a Democrat that gets in. <sighs> and you hope that it's not the Conservatives, because I, I actually think the Conservative Party are now at a point where they probably need to fracture mm -hmm. to the ultra-right Tory and then a centrist small c christian conservative which i kind of it's not for me i'd never vote for it but i can understand you know i can understand why you know your 55 year old daily mail reading Anne votes for that because she goes to church every sunday and she believes in small c conservatism and i go yeah okay it's not for me but fine but we have went so far to the right it fills me with fear and and it's just stoking culture wars, you know. I mean, he got asked a, got asked a question last week about the economy and they brought it back to the, the small boats. 
I'm yeah. just like, you know, so refugees, trans, that will filter into the LGBT in general. Terrifying. Culture was terrifying, but you've just got to remember that you're on the right side of history and you've got to keep fighting and yep. standing up for the wee person. Yeah. I'm trying mean, to make this funny, Don. I, I know I'm trying to think, like, um, <laughs> should I start talking about my arsehole? <laughs> <laughs> Like trying to call Sorry, him. mate, like, if I went too heavy. No, I'm like, oh, fucking hell, I need to phone my man and my dad, tell them to buy shutters, man. Um, I'll tell you a nice trans story, like, regarding me, right, because I'm a white, straight male, and obviously, like, my character defects is that I don't really educate myself in stuff that is no my life. But obviously, I'm, I'm kind. Like, if somebody needs Aye. help, I'll help them. But when you're talking about certain politicians, I'm like, who the fuck's that? And like, because I just live in a wee bubble. But you know, I'm in recovery. I'm yes. eight years sober. And see, I, I need to be careful with my words. Like, I think it's human nature to be scared of the well, unknown. You don't understand, yeah. So like the trans stuff and the gay community, I'm hmm. like, I don't know anything about that. But obviously, like, I've got gay mates. Me and Big Eye, can you? Aye, exactly. Thundergaze. Sarah Watson. Sarah Watson. Like, Thundergaze. Very, very close, like, family. My family's, some of my family are gay. But, like, with the trans stuff, I had a friend that was in recovery. And obviously I support trans people, but I, d I didn't really... Because you're a human being. Aye, but I never really knew anything about it. No. But I support trans people. And there was a friend in recovery that, you know, used to cut a boot with him. Uh, go to meetings and stuff and then one day um he added me on facebook and i was just like looking through his timeline and i was like ah, no fucking way so born a woman went through the process yeah. of like surgery and stuff and trans and i was like mate never in my fucking life would i have ever thought that you've went through that process <laughs> and a wee light bulb in my head, just went, oh, I get it. I get it. Um, it's not my fight. I'll support it. Yes. But... And that's all we ask. I understand it now. I don't... I get I do, it. I don't even ask you to understand. I just ask that people show a bit of compassion because it's all right not to understand and it's all right to ask questions. Yeah. Just show a bit of compassion, a bit of love in your heart because that's that's what that's what's missing. You know, I've got two trans stories, a uh, 2002, 2003, walk into a boozer, gay bar. My mate comes up and I reference my mate's name. And they say to me, eh, I talk to you. Aye. Aye. I went, eh, that's not my name anymore. This is my name. It's a male name. I went, all right. I went, I am a... Eh, at that time, it was called a sex change. I'm going through a sex change. So, I, right. So, I need to live with this name because I'm now this person. And that's what's going to happen in a few years' time. I'll, I'll get the operation. I was like, right. They went, do you have any questions? And I was like, aye, mate. <laughs> We're at Ibrooks next week and two of your centre halves are injured, man. How are you feeling about that? <laughs> and it was just like, <laughs> like, I've just got bigger things to worry about them. <laughs> what's going on with you? And then... Would that have been last year? I run about this time last year. I uh, took a Friday night off and had a wee date night. Uh, and we went uh, to Crazy Golf. 
right? I was jumping, seven o'clock, Friday night, jumping, right? So cute, waiting to start. And you know how you go to crazy golf and you're always watching, like, the person in front of you because you're like, how are they working this out? So I'm in there Friday night and a couple behind us and I was like, oh, right, okay, so male, female, trans, women, right? Just And then just uh, what would appear to be uh, someone who would appear to be a white heterosexual woman and obviously male to female trans, right? So I can hear North American accents. So we're kind of playing and we're going around, right? And uh, they're obviously watching us. And Nicola got a hole in one. I was raging, man. I'm no joking. She was like Pythagoras, man, with that golf club, pure measuring <laughs> angles and all that, right? I was like, ah, what? So have a bit of a laugh and a joke. Where are you from? Are you on holiday? No. They live in Scotland, moved from down south, live in Scotland, married, children, and then obviously the bombshell off, right? All right, okay, great. And I'm going, right, I've got your back. I've got your back with my wee putter. I've got your back. Everybody starts on you. I've got your back. I'm like, Nicola, you have their back, right? No bother. Nobody bothered. Right? Last or second last hole. Wee guy, wee, wee gym guy. Oh, wee's missus. Obviously in a wee date. He's pure solid, man. He's trying to work out. So my friend, who's now my friend, uh who's trans, turns around and describes what you have to do to play this whole. And the wee guy just turned around and went, no bother, thanks, darling. And played his shot, right? And my heart just swelled with pride because I was like, you're a wee hard nut. I can tell you're a wee hard nut. But you've looked and you've been 100% respectful. So we kind of swapped numbers at the end. And I was off the Saturday, we're going to see a band. I said, oh, what are you doing? Oh, I don't know, what, what, what are you doing tomorrow? Oh, blah, blah, blah. I said, well, it's the Mardi Gras march. You should go in the Mardi Gras march. All oh, right, okay. I said, it'll start there, blah, blah, blah. You can jump on. Right, okay, yeah, we're going for breakfast, blah, blah, blah. And they were kind of foodies and then they had dinner booked. And I'm like, all right. I said, well, listen, we'll be in town later on, so you can give us a wee message if he's wanting to meet up. Sure enough, get a message. He showed them, pinned all the gay bars on their phone, right? Met up with them. So how was your day? And they were like, we love Glasgow. And I was like, really? And they were like, we went up, we seen the start of the match, march, we get dragged in, we went on the march. They were like, I said, was there any protesters? They went to George Square and I was like, oh, they're there every year morning, don't worry about it. There's about 10 of them. They're like, yeah. And I was like, aye, they've been there since I was a kid going the march, right? <laughs> Mad, like they're pure like drum banging Christians. Like, no, just your average, I go to church. They're like, you're going to burn in hell. Uh, they had a great day, met us. They were in and out all the gay bars. They were just like, I said, any grief at all, anywhere? And they went, Nah, one real guy done a double take and that was it. And I was like, I love this city. I love this city because they look very distinctive because they're very tall, right? So you couldn't not notice. But nobody stared and nobody said anything. And our gay community pulled them into a march and they marched for the first time ever and into gay bars for the first time ever and realised that this city 
would just put your arms around you. And I was so proud because you forget in the middle of Twitter and culture wars and everything like that, you forget, you know, because that's what we tend to focus on because we're human beings. Then you remember that the majority of people are full of love and compassion. And I was just like, my city and my country. And they live in this country in a very small town, Scotland, and they have no grief. Amazing. And I just go, aye, we're all Jock Tamsin's parents. You know? Mm -hmm. I love that saying. And that's it. And I think we, we, it's, we have to remember that as a society, yes. that the majority of people are good people and the bams on Twitter that are spiling out bile and MPs that are going, oh, the small boats and all the trans community, and they're all a danger. They're just shouting the loudest. Yeah. But the majority of us are good people with good hearts. Yeah. So there's a real positive on that note, on that culture yes. war stuff. What was I'll, that saying again? We're all Jock Tamsin's bairns. I love that. Robert Burns. That could probably be the podcast name with Susie. Let me take a wee note of that. Do you know, I, I have noticed that with myself. See, when I was younger, you go to a Catholic school, you do have some strange beliefs because you're surrounded yeah. by that like pro-life stuff and all that but see when you actually get some life experience and then some female friends and you start to like like meet gay people and all yeah. that like when you're 18 19 you're yeah, like what, what the fuck have i done with my whole life like what a lot of shit like yeah but i always think i mean with religion i always think there's a thing with religion where you can apply the principles of any faith to anyone See yeah. the man-made rules of like, oh, you can't have a woman priest and no sex before marriage. And see see the reality of all that's just man-made rules, right? Mm -hmm. Nonsense to control people. But I just think if you try and live your life by being a good person, and I, listen, nobody is perfect, right? Nobody is perfect. But if you just try and... And I've learned this, and I probably learned this in the past year, you know, show a bit more compassion, be a bit more chilled out. Just be thankful for what you've got. Yeah. And appreciate what you've got. And try and help people that are less fortunate than you. Yeah. See that? I think that's pretty much the basis of any religion. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Any religion, whether you be Hindu, Sikh, Muslim, I think that's the that's the basis. See all the man-made stuff? Get out. I love it when you've got family members like my auntie's gay. She's came out fucking twenty year ago, but you know a supportive, loving family. I better, love it when better like, Noah, better Noah. <laughs> I love it when like you know straight <laughs> family members try to be nice. You know that they're it comes from a good place. Aye, but it's but pure inappropriate. Like, my dad's like that. Does she come at us? What, you're like, what? You're like, does shite come out of her ass? You're like, aye. Well, she's just the same as me then, isn't she? I don't give a fuck as long as you're happy. And you're like, what's that going to do with anything? How poetic. <laughs> I, I, do you know what I mean? I said that I would bleed the same. Do you know what I mean? No, no, I, no, 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 no. If I wear trousers in the morning, she gets up and she wears trousers. You're like, dad, gonna just uh, shut the fuck I, up. Yeah, I, I'm not... 
I'm not saying that I didn't like that wham I just prefer George Michael solo stuff do you know what I mean it's that stuff for it if he wants to cut about Parks no, good on him Aye. fair play to him smoking a wee bit of hash no, cool knock yourself out man I think we've done well over an hour by the way Oh aye, we're approaching an hour and a half. An hour and a half, Susie. Normally we only do an hour, so I think should we wrap it up? Will we, geez, what's, what's, what you got coming up? What you got to punt? I mean, I'll just say, like, wait a minute, I said, like, don't support trans, get that to fuck. Don't support gay marriage, you know? Pro, pro-life. Um, bring back Graham Lennon. Get out to fuck Sorry, Susie. Ah, sorry. I knew it. Top hat gave it away. Uh, <laughs> I knew you were just a member of the Daily Mail culture wars, man, Aye. with your top hat on. You and Jacob Reese Mogg. That's it. That's who your pals are. That's who you're now. Uh, I've got the fringe coming up. So, I am. I've so this show I've done two sold out shows at the Kings. And uh, I toured it. I made pretty much a sold out tour, and uh, it's now it's now going to Edinburgh. So I'm in the process of taking the tour show apart, doing for kind of 75, 80 minutes, put it into a sixty. So kind of taking the jigsaw apart, throwing all the pieces up there, and putting it back together again as a as a fringe show. Uh, but yeah, I'm doing the fringe. I'm doing the full run. I'm in a big old room. I'm in a hundred and ninety five seater. Wow. Yes. Uh, it's a beautiful room. So it's Assembly Studio 2 up at George Square Gardens. And it's got these... Beautiful. And uh, you, you were in it, weren't yes. you? Yes. I've been out before as well. It's a lovely room. Long benches. You've got a wee table for your drink. Air conditioning. None of this smelly sailor nonsense. No. It's a beautiful, beautiful room. I really enjoy doing this show. It's called Fame Fatality. And honestly, we just... We have a laugh at my silly life. So please come. You can get tickets from the Ed Fringe website, my website, susanmccube.com. I'm on all the socials, part of the Twitter. Boo. And um, aye, please do come along. If you have seen it, uh, you can recommend it or you can bring pals and have a day out. Either way, we'll, we'll, we'll have a really good laugh. It's 25 to 9, 8.35 every night except if Monday the 14th. Amazing, Susie. Please we've... do come. We've got a great wee community of people that listen to this podcast, so we recommend Susie as one of the best stand-up so comedians we'll in Britain, never mind Scotland. Jeez, old man. Getting about it. Getting about it. Moan. Moan it. Um, is there anything you would like to add, Paul? No, other than thank you very much for coming in. been oh, a pleasure to talk great. to you. It's great, really enjoyed that. Susie, you're a belter. Sorry, it wasn't pure hilarious. No, it's all right. Um, you're an absolute belter. I wish you all the best with the fringe. And um, sorry for sending you the death threats. I'm making amends now. I knew. I'm petrol bomb your house tonight. You're, they're all fucking misspelt that how was Connell he, how come he keeps putting a top hat at the end of all these tweets We <laughs> top hat emoji I'm like a Glaswegian Riddler <laughs> <laughs> you're I, dazzling at is that Connell in the garden you yeah. say Riddler we say Fiddler that's <laughs> how fucking dare you Fiddler <laughs> 
thank you very much for everybody that joined the podcast if you're listening on spotify can you chuck us a five-star review apple podcasts leave us a review and look guys i know you are in whatsapp groups and stuff share it to your pals word of mouth goes a long way and remember go and see Susie mccabe at the edinburgh fringe Morning. love you with all my heart and my soul love you pal see you later see you soon i love you as well paul Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.